I didn't want to just keep doing what I was doing. I started to feel like a record player, you know, just going around and around and around. And I needed to, I needed to do something new. And that is a really weird thing to realize about yourself when you're this, right? It is your dream. Like I'm doing my dream job. And then all of a sudden, but wait, this doesn't feel like it. <laughs> There's gotta be more. As it turns out, there was a lot more for Robin Schwartz to accomplish. Robin spent more than 20 years as an award-winning TV news reporter. So she's used to being the one asking the questions. But we're about to turn the tables on her and find out why she left her dream job to start her own business. Episode 33 of Power Forward with Robin Schwartz comes your way right now. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. All right, welcome back to Power Forward. Justin White alongside Mateen Cleves. Mateen, how you doing, my friend? Oh, Justin, it's all good. I am flying high, my friend. Flying high. That's the new that's the new thing. Oh, I'm yeah. going to take it. I'm going to run with it. <laughs> uh, Mateen, so so this episode today, uh, pretty excited about it. I'm not going to lie because this is actually take two for us oh, yeah. uh, with this guest. Uh, we actually recorded this episode originally back in early March, and that was, of course, uh, before COVID-19, before everything shut down, before quarantine, and life as we know it, uh, I guess, has changed. So we figured, you know what? We're going to start fresh. We're going to start over. We're going to do this again. And we are pleased to be joined by Robin Schwartz. She is the owner of Robin Schwartz PR, a Detroit-based, woman-owned PR and video production firm. Robin, welcome back to Power Forward. It's great to see you from my dining room. (laughs) A little bit different setting than the last time. Yeah, uh, just a little. We had you in studio the first time around. And, you know, uh, it was it was a good conversation you and I had uh, just talking about the fact that, you know, especially now uh, the world we're living in, it it would seem um, strange to not bring up, uh, you know, what we've all been living through. So the, the fact that, you know, like you said, we, we are all kind of in our own little places in the world. You know, we're all separate right now. Um, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. But before we dive into that, because, you know, this, this pandemic has certainly affected everybody. I know it's affected you and your business. So we're going to ask you about that. But, but just for starters here, uh, tell our listeners out there a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> I, have, I have a TV news background. So um, I spent 23 years in TV news, 17 of those years at Fox 2, Detroit, um, anchoring the weekends with Ron Savage, the late Ron Savage who passed away, and also reporting. Um, Covered just about every major story in Detroit from 1998 to 2014. And that was really my life, being a journalist and being out in the street. Uh, In 2014, I made a decision to take my storytelling skills in a different direction. And uh, in 2016, I made yet another pivot in my career and started my own business, which is what brings us to today. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. It's, I it's, love it. It's been a long road. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the parallels are there uh, because, you know, you, you were a long time, as you said, TV news reporter. Um, I worked in television sports for quite a few years. Mateen worked in television sports. So, you know, we're just uh, we're, we're just three old TV people here, I guess, just just chopping it up on, a, <laughs> on, a pod, on our podcast. Uh, but, you know, looking back. Um, on, on your time in television and, you know, you spent 20 plus years uh, working as a television news reporter. Um, all those experiences that you had covering those big stories, um, what, what are the, the things that you remember most to this day about all those experiences that you had? Uh, well, I mean, I remember most the people, you know, that I interacted with. Um, you know, very touched by the stories of different people. And, you know, when you're a news reporter, a lot of times you're meeting people sometimes at the worst time in their life. Um, You know, so you may be talking to them during a crisis or, uh, you know, a family tragedy. 
And uh, that really, you know, that leaves an imprint on you as, as a human being. So um, I think really that's what I remember the most about my time as a reporter. And then, you know, just the opportunity to hone my skills in that fast paced environment where your stories do in five minutes. And, you know, if the, if the news comes on at five o'clock and your story's on at five o'clock, you cannot be there at 501. You've got to be. <laughs> so everything is by the minute. So I lived by the clock. And um, it was a really good training ground, you know, for efficiency and for storytelling, you know, getting right to the point. Um, there's no time in a TV newscast to, you know, be wishy-washy and you've got to get right to the point. So um, it was just an incredible training ground for me, I think, uh, as a storyteller. And, you know, I just believe that there's more than one way, there's more than one venue, there's more than one stage for storytelling. And so TV news is one stage, but, you know, so is working within a corporation like you're doing or uh, being a PR person, owning your own business is another way. So I don't really feel like I'm doing anything that different than I did, you know, other than I'm not standing on the side of I-75 getting ready for my live report, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm still using all of those same storytelling skills and still the people that I interview and interact with are at the heart of all of the storytelling that I do. Wow. And Robin, let me ask you this because like some, some people dream about what, you know, I, for me, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. That was my dream. That was one of the, that's what I wanted to pursue from day one until I actually did it. For you, was TV always a dream for you when you were a little girl? That was my dream. Um, hmm. I think I was around 15 years old when uh, I got the chance to visit a television station and to see a live broadcast. Hmm. And I, as a my 15-year-old self, which is really crazy, by the way, because I have a 12-year-old, and now I'm able to see how young I actually was. Like, oh my gosh, I was only three <laughs> years older than she is, you know, when I made this decision. But... Um, I just saw it, fell in love with it, knew that that was what I wanted to do. So yeah, that was, that was definitely a dream. And you know, as you, I'm sure know, when you wanted to be a professional basketball player, I'm sure you had plenty of people tell you how hard that is to do, how competitive it is, how impossible it is, how you have no shot, how there's like a 0% <laughs> chance. And, um, you know, the same is true when you start telling all your family and friends that you're going to be a newscaster. It sounds so foreign to them. They don't know anyone else that's ever done that. And so, um, you know, I was very frustrated when people would say, oh, well, what are you going to do if that falls through? <laughs> and I, my answer always was, it's not going to fall through. Like, this is what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, all those same people would then introduce me like, oh, this is, this is Robin Schwartz. She's on the news. I always knew she was going to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I think that people reflect their own insecurities back on you when they say things like that. And, you know, if you're just determined and you have a goal and nothing is going to stop you from pursuing that goal, it's achievable, as you know, from your own experience. And when you don't have a plan B, quote unquote, and that was kind of the, the mentality that you had, right? You were, you were going to push all your chips to the middle of the table for this TV thing and say, I'm going after it. It kind of makes it easier because then you know exactly what you're going after. I mean, it's a hard road to get there, but at least you kind of know what it's going to take. You know where you're trying to get to. So um, I, I would think, Robin, that, that looking back, you know, and, and like you said, some people doubted maybe uh, whether or not you could do it but at least you had this very clear idea, this clear vision in your head of what you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, as a teenager, not even knowing, I mean, you just don't know anything, right? When you're 15, <laughs> you really don't know anything. Uh, I just made up my mind that this is something I was going to do and I did it. And there was no plan B, there was nothing else I wanted to do. So it was gonna have to work out because <laughs> that was it. That was the only plan. I love it. I love the fact that you didn't have a plan B. I always would say we'll deal with it when we get there, you know, but I, right now I'm not even thinking about plan B. Now for you, I, like, okay, because you made it so far. And I know a lot of people are ambitious to do certain things or to make it to a certain level. 
I'm sure for you it wasn't all peaches and cream. Now it wasn't no. you making it sound easy, and <laughs> but I'm sure that there were some tough periods that you had as you were trying to uh, become, you know, what you always dreamed of. Right. I mean, you know, that's what you always tell like interns that come and follow you, you know, college students who want to be reporters. You know, they're meeting you 20 years into your career, and they don't get to see the first 20 years. Uh, you know where. I was so nervous all the time and I would like have a panic attack, you know, just before my newscast and I'd have to breathe, breathe, breathe and calm myself down. Um, had a politician on the, in the studio with me and I was so nervous about politics. I didn't really, you know, know all the local politics and I had made a list of questions and I don't know, somehow, like I asked my three questions and we still had like a minute left <laughs> in the interview. I had absolutely no idea what to ask. I started re-asking the same questions over again because <laughs> I had no idea what to do. I was probably 23 years old, mispronounced people's names. I mean, you know, it's all trial and error. And, you know, I worked every holiday, every night, every weekend. It was so weird after getting out of broadcasting to actually be home on a holiday. I didn't even know what that was like. Like, what do people do when they're not at work? I, I didn't know. All right. So, so you led me to the next question because, you know, you, you have this, uh, this great television career. You're working in a, in a major market in Detroit, and then you decide that it's time to do something else. Yeah. What was it that led you to make that decision to, to kind of close that chapter uh, and, and leave your, your passion? Because that's, that's what it was. Yeah. It wasn't just a job or a career, Robin. This was a passion and leave that passion yeah. behind. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And, you know, it also, it's not like I woke up one day and was like, today, I'm going to switch. It was about a, I want to say it was about a five to six year process where, you know, I just looked at the direction of the business. I looked at my age. I looked at the fact that I was working weekends. I, I looked at, you know, what other opportunities exist for me if I stay right here. And, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't see it for myself. You know, the math just didn't add up and I didn't want to just keep doing what I was doing. I started to feel like a record player, you know, just going around and around and around. And I needed to, I needed to do something new. And that is a really weird thing to realize about yourself when you're this, right? It is your dream. Like I'm doing my dream job. And then all of a sudden, but wait, this doesn't feel like it. <laughs> There's got to be more, right? And I, it's so weird. I think of myself as an intelligent person, but I never knew that I could start my own. I just didn't know I could just start my own business. You know, um, taking the corporate PR job was a was a huge change from what I had been doing, and it was a great. That was like a boot camp, training ground. You know, learning on the job kind of situation sink or swim, <laughs> right? I mean, you're there, now you got to do the job. And uh, it was an amazing experience that really led me to where I am today. So, I mean, you know, I don't have one single reason. It's just something in me said that there's more to do. You know, Robin, that is, it's funny you say that <clears throat> because I've always looked at it from being an athlete. And, I, you know, my thing was, if I don't love the game, um, like I've always loved it, then it's time for me to do something else because I don't want to cheat the game. You know, whatever it is that I'm doing, I want to give it everything that I have. Um, and for you, and I know a lot of other athletes go through that. For you, was that kind of what it was? Like, I just don't have the same, like, love for it. it was that kind of was it was, what it was? You know, I don't want to say it. It's such a hard thing. It's like you don't fall out of love with, like, the thing that you love. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, and there's always going to be a part of me that loves it. It's just, I felt that that, you know, I changed, you know, yeah. I changed, the business changed from when I got into it in the early nineties when there was no Facebook or we couldn't even even dreamed of doing an interview like this, like we're doing right now. So the business changed, but I also changed. Um, you know, I ended, I had a child, <laughs> which was a whole miracle thing. And, um, you know, I got older my priorities started to change. And, you know, once you've covered your like 700th flood, it's not the same, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I always put my all into what I did, whether I was extremely passionate about it at that moment, you know, during that flood, 
versus the first flood. Um, I just, I just felt like there was more for me to do and that I had done everything that I could do in, in the, in the confines of that box, you know, <laughs> inside that TV box, I had done all I could do. And let me, and let, I know Justin, you want to jump in, but let me correct myself because I didn't lose the love for the game. Right. I felt the game didn't love me yeah. the same that it always had. So that now, was I, when I made that change. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that mm -hmm. because, you know, what happens is you realize that, you know, you are working for a corporation. Uh, decisions sometimes get made that mm -hmm. maybe don't feel fair. Like, uh, you know, you're, you're a woman and you're older. And so maybe they want a woman that's younger. It, it's not because of your skills. Right. Um, you know, you just, you start to see things with, see things from a different perspective right, right. <laughs> the longer you're around. Right. And, and once that perspective changes, you can't unchange it. You can't unsee it. And so I started to look for, you know, Hey, where else can I use these skills? What else can I do with these skills? I know there's someplace else I can take them. And, and also, and, Oh, go ahead, Robin. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I just wanted to add that the change in technology, the way that technology changed, which is not something I ever could have predicted in 1991, <laughs> if anyone wants to do the math. Um, <laughs> you know, the way that technology changed, changed the, the, the bounds of the possibilities, right? So what I'm doing today, I never could have done in 1991. I never could have dreamed of it either because the technology simply didn't exist. So, you know, when I realized that I could almost reach more viewers, on the internet and I could reach them worldwide, you know, versus how many people I could reach on a local TV station, you know, that, that just wasn't available, um, you know, when I started. So, you know, just a lot of things changed. Yeah. So, so you, you bring us now to your decision, as you mentioned, to start your own business and you, you were working in PR and then you decide basically to start your own PR firm. Um, so, so number one, what was the process like of, of making the leap to start your own business? Because that, that is going to be daunting for anybody. I don't care what business you're in. And then number two, how did you kind of draw up the game plan for success for how you were going to not only start the business, but then actually do well? I wish I had like a little black book or something to show you. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, cause I don't want to say like I had no clue what I was doing. Um, but, you know, I really had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what other people had done. But as far as like the ins and outs of how to do it, I wasn't sure. Uh, I started an LLC. I opened up a bank account. <laughs> and then my next question to myself was, how do I get some clients? And, um, you know, just as fate, luck, whatever you want to call it. Um, I received a tweet on Twitter from somebody who had an amazing project. And I met with this person at a coffee shop. Her name is Mama Shu. And she told me her story. And I knew that I could help her. And it was, I don't want to say it was an experiment, but it was almost like, well, let's see how we do, you know. And um, I just kind of threw myself into her project, which is Avalon Village. And before I knew it, I mean, in a very short period of time, I was flying to LA with her. We were on the Ellen show and she was in people magazine. I picked up people magazine in the supermarket and, and just started crying because it was like her story was there, you know, because I helped that story get there. And that really showed me like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I had no contacts at the Ellen show. <laughs> I had no contacts at people magazine when this all started. And, you know, I just followed my passion. And one thing I learned as a, as a reporter is, you know, the power of a good, I know a good story when I hear one. Everywhere <laughs> I look, I see stories. And it's just, I mean, that's just who I am. And so I know when I see a good story. And I just knew that Mama Shu had an incredible story to tell and, and we were able to take it very far. I mean, I think as far as you can take any story. So, just to repeat here, so, so we're clear. This is your very first client after you yeah. started your own business? Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like landing a, uh, I don't know, a 200 pound fish. The first time you ever throw a, a rod in the water, you ever throw a line in the water. I mean, that is, like you said, whether it's fate or whether it was just, you know, the stars are aligning. I mean, that is, yeah. that's incredible, Robin. 
Thank you. I mean, Mama Shu is very, you know, she's magical, right? And uh, there's just a lot of magic at work. She was doing something incredible. I, you know, had a passion for something. And when we, we came together, we were able to, to do something very positive and, and amazing with it. And then what happened was people saw the Mama Shu story. They saw the success in that. And then they started coming, you know, uh, looking for the same type of help with storytelling. And when I set out to do this, I wish I had been smart enough to say, oh, wow, you know, human interest news stories, you know, people triumph over tragedy, everyday heroes, like, that's my sweet spot. That's what I need to look for. But I didn't even know that. I just thought that unveiled itself to me through this process. So, you know, I think sometimes you just have to take a risk and try something. I was very lucky. I mean, extremely lucky. I had been working for so many years that I had money saved up. I had uh, given myself about a six month period of time to try this. Had no idea, you know, if it was going to take off or not. <laughs> I mean, again, this is like another no plan B situation. I didn't want to go back to news and I didn't want to work in corporate PR. What else is there to do? I'm, and I'm too young to retire. <laughs> so I had to get, I had to take that shot, you know, and try it on my own and see what was going to happen. And, um, you know, fortunately, knock wood, it, it's gone really well. I'm, I'm really lucky to work with some truly amazing people who are storytellers like me. And um, we just love what we do. Wow. I, I want to be a client. Yeah, I want to be on the Ellen <laughs> show to cover the People's <laughs> Magazine. Come on. Yeah. Like. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a very special, unique situation. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that, that can't be every story, but it doesn't have to be every story. Yeah, um, yeah I get it. So anyway, um, yeah. that's just a, it's a, I don't know, um, beginner's luck. Um, hitting a home run your first time. I, I don't know what you want to call that. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I don't believe in luck. So <laughs> I would say that. But let me ask you this because you said you you jumped into it. And I think sometimes people start, they make it all about the money. Mm -hmm. The money, the money, the money. And they can miss opportunities. So I, I play sports, but I dabble and dabble in music and you know entertainment and things like that. And I think I've seen people miss opportunities because yeah. a certain person wasn't paying enough or right. whatever like that. So um, can you kind of speak to that? Cause it seemed like you, yeah. you were, you were a little opposite of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, not only did I not do it for the money, but I did a lot of things free of charge, honestly. Mm. Um, you know, with mama shoe, she had a very small budget. She's trying to grow a nonprofit. She, she's not, you know, some multi-million dollar corporation. And so I worked within her budget because I mean, she had something incredible. She had an incredible story to tell. And that's all I really cared about at that time. And that's why I say that I'm lucky because, you know, again, I had money saved up. I was okay. I could, you know, I could pay the bills. So I had the luxury, the freedom to try something like that without having to worry about it. Um, become an expert in your field and, and the money and numbers will follow, but it, you don't lead with it. If I had said, oh, I'm, oh, you don't have a million dollars. Well, then I can't help you. Well, then that never would have happened. And that wouldn't have led to other things. And then, you know, things wouldn't have unfolded the way that they did. So, I mean, still to this day, <laughs> I, I do a lot of things, um, you know, lower you know, for, for less than most people in my field with my skill level would do. But, you know, I do it because it's what I'm passionate about. So, so, you know, give us the real inside scoop here. You know, you being the former reporter, you know, you're used to, to getting the scoop. I want you now to, to give us the details. Um, what is it like, you know, being a business owner? Because, you know, it sounds great. I mean, you're your own boss. You can make your own schedule. You've got flexibility. You've got to pick and choose what projects you want to work on. But there's also a lot of stress probably that comes with that when you're in business for yourself. So, so tell us what it's really like um, when you are a small business owner. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you do work 24 seven. I mean, I do. Um, if I have a big project, it is not unusual that I'll be up till 430 in the morning every day, you know, for an entire week until that project gets done. Um, part of the reason for that is because when you're doing video production work, you need 
several uninterrupted hours <laughs> to focus on the work that you're doing. And I can't find those uninterrupted hours during normal daylight hours. I get texts, I get calls, I get emails. The only time I can seem to find where I have that just complete and total silence to do my work is between midnight and 430 in the morning. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a lot of that. And trust me, I want to go to sleep. I'd love to take a day off. I'd love to go, you know, chill in the, in the backyard or something. I, I can't. Right. Because I, I have to do what I'm what I said I was going to do. Um, you know, it's a it's a huge responsibility. And I think it's almost harder once you get the business going at first, when you've got nothing, there's nothing, right? So no matter what happens, it's a win because I have absolutely nothing here. And, uh, you know, so anything is a win, but then, you know, a year or two into it, you start to build things up. You, you have a certain number of clients, you're at a certain level, you don't want to go backwards. And then it's even more, then it becomes like a more of a pressure situation. Like, how are we going to grow from here? Um, can't, can't stay still, <laughs> got to grow. So, uh, and then, you know, if you have a really amazing year, how are you going to top that? You know, and your capacity starts to diminish. You have to bring in other people. You can't do everything yourself. And, you know, I had to learn all these things in real time. So, um, you know, I was really fortunate. I found someone, a coach type person who, you know, is an expert in growing businesses. And uh, one of the first things he said to me was, you know, stop writing all these blog posts and <laughs> go out. And you got to go out and find business. Like you're, you're not, if you sit at your computer and write all day, how are you going to find new clients? So, um, you know, I had to give up a little bit of some of the stuff that I love to do because I love to write and give other people opportunities to do that stuff so that I could go out and find out what else is out there. Who else needs my help? You know, um, it is a very, it's, it's very challenging, but I have to say it's really the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. And, uh, you know, I love it as much as anything else I've ever done. So it's special because you're doing it for yourself, you know? And you talked about something because I'm big on uh, delegation. I'm super big on it. And I know people that, you know, leaders that just get promoted to certain positions or people that just start their companies. They want to be hands on with everything. They want to do everything to make sure it's perfect. OK, now for you, how, how let me see, what when did you feel comfortable enough to, to delegate to other people? Because I look at delegation as it, it's a win-win. It takes things off your plate, but yet it empowers whoever you're delegating to. So when yeah. did you get to that that mode to where you felt free and felt comfortable delegating other things to people? Well, I mean, two, two things led to that. One, reaching capacity, right? Like there's so much I can't do at all. And now, uh, you know, I might run the risk of like missing a deadline because I can't do this and that and this and that and this and that all to get all at the same time and do the same quality work and, you know, accomplish everything. So there was that need, right? But it was also coupled with, I met somebody um, her name is Holly, and um, she is also a, a former journalist, um, you know, and newspaper editor, somebody who had a, a very good skill level, skill set, and, um, you know, finding someone who is as good or better writer than I am, you know, gave me the faith and trust to let her take some stuff and run with it, you know, and so, and just, you know, not being able to be two places at the same time. And I just knew, you know, she could handle that. I could handle this. We could get twice as much done. Um, and, that, you know, that's kind of how it, it grew. You know, we've, we've brought on interns who have been amazing. Um, you know, I work with some really great camera people um, and a great video production team. And, you know, I mean, they're so talented. I could send them out without me, you know, to capture some of the stuff we need. And it, it, it comes back great. So, you know, I, but you do have to build that trust. And I guess the only way you can build that trust is giving it a chance. So, so you said that you are a storyteller. That's your thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in your mind, for any business out there, uh, what makes a great story? What goes into that? 
Uh, I think that, you know, I mean, I'm very focused on stories of like triumph over tragedy, right? So if there's an element of triumph, <laughs> success, overcoming the odds, uh, I think that that makes a great story. Anything that's going to evoke emotion is going to be a great story. So, um, you know, I don't want to say I specialize in making people cry, <laughs> but if if I can make you feel something, then that means that the, that the message, the story really came through. You felt what I felt, you know, when I met this person. Um, I think those are two really important elements in uh, a powerful story. Making people cry, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, go to her website, Mateen. I mean, I know you, you, you've been there. You've watched some of those stories. Oh, yeah. Trust me. And, I, and I'm a crybaby, first of all. And, and, but those stories, yes, you definitely hit me right where it hurts, man. Tears it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's less about making it cry and it's making people cry. It's more about making people feel something, right? Right, right. And so, like, that something could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be happiness. Um, in a lot of cases, it's tears or it, and, and sometimes those aren't even tears of joy. I mean, of uh, sadness, but sometimes they're tears of joy or you're just so happy for the person that they overcame something or, you know, something like that. So, I mean, please don't think it's just all sad. Oh yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up. Cause I, I'm sorry. I didn't want it to come. Yes. Like it, there are some uplifting pieces as well. Oh, not yeah, just the sure. sad stuff. Robin, uh, I want to ask you also about just the importance of, of having a network, you know, having connections, uh, talking to people, because I know that even, you know, going back to when you were trying to figure out what you were going to do after TV, um, you basically started reaching out to everybody you knew. Um, mm -hmm. And certainly it's something that probably serves you well to this day um, in your business development. And like you said, going out and trying to find new clients um, for our, our listeners and other um, entrepreneurs out there, even if you don't own your own business, um, what in your mind is the importance of, of networking and having those connections with other people? Yeah. Um, because those people have valuable experiences to share with you. You know, you only know what you know. And, um, when I was trying to make this transition from TV news to PR, I met with all the top PR people in, in Southeast Michigan. And to their credit, they were all willing to sit down with me and to share, you know, their advice, their journeys, their stories. Um, and there's a lot to learn from other people's experiences. You know, I was so busy following one path. You don't know what's going on over here or over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I think networking is extremely important. I think that if you want to make a career change, or even if you want to advance in the career you're in, find that person that has that job title that you want. They will, they'll take 30 minutes to talk to you. People love to talk about themselves and their stories. Um, see if you can get on their calendar for 30 minutes and ask some, some key questions, you know, about what would someone in my role need to do to, to get it, to end up in a role like yours. Um, and that is literally the question that I asked most of the people that I sat down with. And I also asked those people to recommend someone else for me to speak to um, because I don't know everybody. <laughs> Maybe they know somebody good that I should talk to. So, I mean, that's just kind of how networking works. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, I think my role in TV news opened up a lot of doors for me in that way um, because, you know, I wasn't a random stranger a lot of people knew me from TV, but also people in the field that I was taught, you know, inquiring about, um, they interact with the media all the time. So it wasn't strange for some person like me to just email or call and say, Hey, I would like to meet with you. Um, but I think that you would find in any field that people will be willing to sit down and have a conversation with you and answer your questions. And you talked about networking, which is very important. And I think it's something that's, Super duper important if you're trying to network and that's being a good person. Um, you know, we're going to have some listeners that's listening in and they think, uh, well, I could just be good at my job. That should be good enough. Um, and I'm, you were fantastic at your job. But can you talk a little bit about how about, you know, not burning bridges and being a good person is very uh, vital. And, and when you're trying to network with others. Yeah. I mean, I think that's extremely important, you know, and being genuine and sincere and not being all about yourself. <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, asking people, how can I help you? You know, how can I help you? Um, 
I think that, you know, I think that opens doors as well. So, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it's, it's more, it's more than just being a, a superstar basketball player, right? You've got to care about people. You have to have a genuine interest and you have to, you know, I mean, want to make a positive difference. And, and being naturally curious, Robin, you know, because you, you were a reporter, reporters are trained to ask questions, you know, to get information from people. And you look at your business now, I mean, you're, you're selling yourself, right? You're selling your company, you're selling the, the products that, that you can offer. So how much of your, of your question asking and, or, or interview uh, based skills do you find yourself using now when you're trying to find new clients for your PR business? I mean, all the time. <laughs> That's, I mean, those are, those are the skills that I think that have helped me, you know, get to, get to this point. Um, you know, it's a little bit harder today because you can't get in front of people in the same way that you could before. And so um, now it's a lot of Zoom calls and phone calls and you're not meeting people in person. So that's a bit different. And um, also everybody is trying to you know, navigate COVID-19 and figure out uh, what is happening in their own businesses and, and how they're going to move forward. I mean, I know a lot of businesses have become, you know, 100 percent virtual that were 100% in person <laughs> just recently. So, you know, that poses new challenges too. But, um, you know, figure, I'm figuring that out alongside them, right? So uh, I've had several businesses just get in touch about how to do all these virtual things. And I mean, as of March 11th, I did not know how to record an interview on my computer screen. <laughs> And now that's what, that's what we're doing. We're doing this on a daily basis now. So I have like a couple interviews later. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if any of that answers your question, but you know, just being able to pivot and change and, and um, figure out what people's needs are and try to meet those needs. And, you know, in, in the case of COVID-19, the needs that I'm being asked to help fill now for people didn't exist three months ago. Did, did you, I mean, so, so you're just, just so we're clear here. And so our listeners can get a sense for what your business, you know, kind of is, is, is you know, involved with or what you guys do. I mean, you go out and you, you do interviews in right. person with people. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we go into quarantine mm -hmm. and all of that is, is off the table. I yeah, mean, what, what are you thinking to yourself at that point? Did, did you think that your business may not survive that? Yeah, I had I had a one to two minute meltdown <laughs> <laughs> where I was like, ah, you know, but um, but then, you know, you, you got to talk yourself through these things. Right. And I was like, hang on a second. Hang on a second. This is this is 2020. There's all this technology. There are ways to record things on your phone. I mean, I didn't even have a cell phone when I when I started out in this business. This is, there's no more high tech time than we've ever lived in. There's got to be a way to make this work. And, um, you know, I work with some extremely talented uh, videographers and editors who are very particular about, you know, quality of footage and things like that. And I said to them, we're using cell phone footage. Right? That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Put your fancy cameras on ice for a little while because this is what we need to do right now. And, um, you know, and then just kind of figuring things out as they go. I, I, I saw the, the way that TV news people were doing things and they are still out in the field. And I do think that you can do an in-person interview and stay six feet apart and wear masks and things like that. So, you know, it's just sort of like trying to figure it out as we go. But um, we're doing things completely differently today than we were a hundred and however many days ago. Wow. And you know what? You said something. One, you said one to two minute meltdown. And you know, I, I laugh. And, and, I want, and, and, and I'm glad you said it, though, because it just shows you are human. OK. Yeah. And for our listeners, you know, you're going to have meltdowns. Things are not going to go your way. But hey, shake it off and yeah. keep going, adjust and keep pushing forward and I'm glad that you said that because you know it, it, it happens right you had a meltdown yeah. but it was it was one or two minutes not one or two weeks not one right. or two months okay well, that's what I love and you know what that was what that moment was was like I can't believe we've come so far only to have this like 
virus yeah. <laughs> mess up everything, you know, <laughs> like right when things are going great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't take too long to figure out how to work around it. And I mean, I think that's what successful people do. I'm sure you guys are working around it in your business. Um, I know, you know, a psychiatry practice I work with that instantly became an online practice and they had never done that before. Um, a lot of the nonprofits I work with pivoted and started doing things differently. I have uh, the downtown boxing gym in Detroit started becoming an emergency food delivery service. That's not even what they do, but they had vans and they had the ability to gather food and they knew people needed it. And so, you know, they started thinking differently about the resources that they had. And I mean, I just think I've never lived through a pandemic before, but I think that's what you need to do in a crisis. Adaptability. That's, that's the word that kind of comes to mind for me. And you said, you know, being able to pivot um, and, you know, obviously now, you know, COVID-19 still being a, a major, a major part of our lives, but you know, in the, in the, in the broad scheme of things, Robin, just as a business owner, um, how important is it to be adaptable and be able to pivot and kind of just, um, you know, not be so set in your ways that you can only do things a certain way. Um, how, how much value have you found in that? How much value do you think there is in that for other uh, small business owners out there? I think it's extremely valuable. I think it's essential. Um, I would say that that's an essential ingredient to owning a successful business. And, you know, honestly, I think that that adaptability comes back to the TV news background. You set out to do a story on a given day and any number of things can go wrong um, and often do <laughs> throughout the course of the day. But your story is still due at five o'clock. Nobody cares that your camera broke. Nobody cares that the person you wanted to interview wasn't suddenly available. Uh, nobody cares that it took an extra 20 minutes to get to point A to point B because there was traffic. They just want the story. <laughs> so you got to make it work with whatever you have at any given moment. And, um, you know, I think learning to do that in TV news and on a daily basis helped me and other businesses that I've been in since. Listeners, I hope you heard that. Nobody cares that you, you're in a bad relationship. Nobody cares you didn't get the position you raised your hand for. Just find a way to get it done. Thank right. you, Robin. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, it's true, right? I mean, it, it, it sounds, I don't know if I'm saying it in a harsh way, but. Oh, they need to hear it. Yeah, but I mean, I got to tell you, a lot of personal things happened to me, you know, um, when I was in news. Um, I went through a huge struggle with infertility, which I did a story about, and that was extremely emotional. And um, I was told on Easter Sunday, 2000, I think three, that I had less than a 5% chance of ever having a biological child. Mm. And I received that news in a phone call in the morning. And I had to go anchor the six o'clock news that night. And it was a holiday. <laughs> There's no way I could call in sick or stay home because I was upset uh, because everybody was out celebrating and you're not going to mess up somebody else's holiday for that. Right. And I got through the newscast. Mm. But, you know, and, and the people that you see on the news today, they're all getting through their own things. You know, they have family members who are sick. They have children who are struggling. Um, you, you got to put that aside when you're on the news and just do your job. Just got to get it done. Or if you're so, on a call with a client or if you're giving a presentation, I mean, you were, you bring up a great point. I mean, everybody's going through something, right? No, no one out there has a, a perfect life has, you know, a, a, a situation where there's nothing at all wrong. And, you know, to me, it comes down to, you know, you, you're just talking about your, your struggles with infertility and, and thank you for sharing something so personal with us. Um, Mental toughness, you know, having the, the mental fortitude to, to go out there and do your job um, to the best of your ability and, and kind of put those other things to the side as best you can. Um, and also mentally tough because uh, you now have a daughter, despite what that doctor told you, that less than 5% chance, mm -hmm. you've got a daughter. So you, you, That's a you whole other story. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, no, I... I I mean, that was about defying the odds and I really didn't, I, not, not that I didn't listen to the doctors, but I didn't believe that. I mean, they didn't say 0%. And so I still believed that it was possible. 
and figured <laughs> figured out a way to defy the odds. And it was my idea, actually, <laughs> that worked. Um, I had been <laughs> I had been it's in all in the in the story if you want to look it up online. But I had been given a certain drug that um, in, it helps you with fertility. And they were giving me 50 milligrams, which was you know a smaller dose. And I don't know anything about milligrams or dosages or anything, but it just hit me one day. We, we have to increase that to like 200. 50 milligrams is not enough. And my doctor was willing to try it and it worked. I mean, I don't know where that came from. I, I don't know where that came from, but it worked. And um, I, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm truly thankful for, for, for that every day. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing so now story. The, now the miracle child uh, has been home from school for all this time. <laughs> and now, oh, she's yes. a, now she's a preteen. So uh, that makes things interesting as well. <laughs> oh, yes, it's interesting for everybody with kids uh, right now, especially how much we've all, we've all been cooped up in, inside our homes. But um, Robin, you, know, you, you look back on, on your path and you know, your story um, to where you are now. Um, what, what are the things you think that the biggest takeaways um, for you that you would maybe um, tell somebody else, you know, if there's somebody else out there who's, who's interested in starting up their own business or, or willing to take a, a similar risk, a similar leap that you did uh, to go start their own business, what, what are the, the biggest things that you would offer up to somebody like that? Uh, don't believe the lies that we tell ourselves because, um, you know, you will, you will talk yourself out of all kinds of things by believing those lies. Um, I did, uh, you know, I had a million lies in my head. If I, if I leave TV news, I won't get to work with my favorite videographers and, and editors anymore. If I leave TV news, I'll never make the same salary again. If I leave TV news, I'll never win another Emmy again. You know, like the kinds of things that you tell yourself that none of these things are true. And um, I think that we all set artificial limits for ourselves based on these false beliefs. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard not to listen to those lies that we tell ourselves. But um, I think that is, that's really the number one thing that I have learned through this journey is that none of that stuff was true. And I wholeheartedly believed it or worried about it or feared it. Maybe those things were fears. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're trying to pursue something, you know, trying to put those fears aside and, and move forward anyway. Right. And, and, and it, I'm glad you it like embrace like the people, the process, um, coming from a sports background. Okay. Wh- what do we chase? Trophies, 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 trophies. That's what you want to do. I mean, I'm chasing trophies the whole time, but now that I'm, I'm old now and I'm, I reflect the best thing out of all that was the experiences, were the people that I was able to meet uh, through my journey. So um, I'm just speaking out to some of our younger listeners and, hey, man, embrace the process and, and, and enjoy, like, the people that you meet. Hold on to good relationships and mm-hmm. things like that because I chased trophies, and I thought that's what it was all about, but it wasn't. Now I'm older. I just think the relationships that I were able to make with people mean more to me than those trophies that I have sitting in the trophy case. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, one of the people who's helping me survive COVID-19, I mean, literally survive it, is somebody I met in Albany, New York, in my very first TV job. Mm. And we've lived in different cities for all these years. You know, she's done her thing. I've done my thing, but we've, we've stayed friends. And um, she happens to be, you know, an outstanding, uh, one of the top trainers in New York City. And, you know, it's really important for me to stay in shape. And if I, if I don't have somebody like her, a coach, you know, somebody pushing me, I will sit at my desk for 7,000 hours and never move. And that is not healthy. (laughs) So, um, you know, this whole thing about not being able to, you know, go to gyms and, you know, do the normal things that we've been able to do. It's that, I know it's not a business thing, but it's that relationship that I built. I don't know, 25, I don't know how many years ago it was, um, that is making such a profound impact on my life today. And when I met her all those years ago, I never would have thought, none of us ever would have thought, you know, that this would be happening now. So it is just, it's kind of interesting, you know, 
people come and go in and out of your life. But, um, you know, you just never, you just never know someone you meet the impact that they might make. It's, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, your, your business, like you said, you're, you're adapting, uh, you're still doing your thing, um, in a much different way, but, um, you're still getting it done. And that's, and that's what's most important. Um, one other thing I, I got to ask you that we, we didn't touch on, um, for you, what's the level of pride in being a, a woman business owner? You know, I mean, I know there's a lot of young, young women out there who probably want to do what you're doing. Um, you know, be their own boss, open their own company. Um, for, for you, what, what kind of pride is is attached to that, Robin? I mean, super califragilistic (laughs) XPLidocious. (laughs) I mean, women are, I think there's a lot of power, you know, woman power. Uh, and I think that it's, no coincidence that my very first client, Mama Shoe, is an example of woman power. Um, you know, I think that's it's something I'm extremely proud of. And I think that, you know, women can do anything that they set their minds to. I honestly believe that. And I, I know incredible women doing unbelievable things. And um, there's a lot of pride in that. Absolutely. I like that. I was raised by a strong mother. So I'm, I'm so excited you said it. I'm getting chill bumps as you talk about that. I love it. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I, yeah. and I know that your daughter probably, uh, you know, despite some of those, uh, you know, head to head, uh, disagreements that, that parents and teenagers will have, I'm sure that she, uh, she definitely looks up to you and, and you're a great role model for her. So, uh, so kudos to you for that. And, uh, and thank you so much for joining us. It was, it was great to, to, to have you on the podcast and, and hear about your story. And like I said, uh, you know, COVID-19 came and, and kind of shook things up on us, but I, I think it was important for us to, to have this conversation now, um, just given the, the, the landscape that we're all in. It's a, it's a different time we're living in, but um, you know, you're, you're staying true to your roots and that's great to see Robin. So thank you for that. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope anything that I said makes a difference for someone. We appreciate it. Robin Schwartz, of Robin Schwartz PR. Uh, b- before we go, you got to tell the people out there where they can find your work because I know Mateen's a big fan. Uh, tell everybody <laughs> else though where they can see some of your work. Uh, you could go to robinschwartzpr.com and uh, you'll find my website there. And there are also links to our YouTube channels and um, other places where you can find me on social media. And not just stories that are, that are going to make you cry, Mateen. We got some feel-good <laughs> stories too. That's right. Exactly. A little bit of everything. We all we all could use it right now. That's Triumph right. over tragedy. I love it. Which is which is all of our story right now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Robin Schwartz, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. To make sure you never miss an episode of Power Forward, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Power Forward.